as Mother's Day is coming around, oh, I find I'm missing my mom more and more. And there's always questions and stories I wish I had asked her when she was still here. I do remember that I gave her a book once upon a time with questions for her to write the answers to. And bless her heart, she didn't answer very many. So that was really a disappointment. But fast forward to now and technology. And now we have mylifeinabook.com. It takes all those questions and stories and it puts it in a format that is sent to your person, whoever you designate, on a regular basis so that the prompts come, they're easily answered either written or voice to text, and they're captured by mylifeinabook.com. These family stories, this legacy that you want to leave for your children and your grandchildren. Mylifeinabook.com, create an unforgettable gift for your mom, your dad, your children this Mother's Day. Use our coupon code ONBOYS for 10% off. Go to mylifeinabook.com and use ONBOYS for 10% off. Create that legacy. Carry on those stories. There are so many competing needs when we're parenting. The needs of each child, the needs of ourselves as adults, the needs of our community and society at large. Stay tuned. We're talking about all of it. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of BoysAlive.com. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being our listeners, and thank you for supporting our sponsors. If we were parenting in a bubble, parenting would still be a complex undertaking. As far as we know, none of us are because we have to add in aspects that we may not think about in our busy lives, yet our parenting is constantly being influenced by the way we were parented, the experiences we had as kids at home, school, and out in the world, and the social forces that we might not think of as affecting our parenting, things like white supremacy, patriarchy, and capitalism. Our guest today contends that if we don't make a conscious decision to parent differently, we will pass the same hurts we experienced onto our children. Joining us today is researcher, parenting coach, podcaster, and author of the new book, Parenting Beyond Power, how to use connection and collaboration to transform your family and the whole world. Welcome, Jen Lumenlon. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So good to have you. Yeah. Excited for this conversation. <laughs> I'm always curious, what is your why for writing this book? I have not yet read a parenting book that focuses on these topics and then weaves them together into how we can parent differently. How did it all begin, Jen? 
Yeah. Well, there's the why <laughs> is because I hadn't read a book that does that either. So um, I think it started when, I mean, I started the podcast probably six years ago now. And because I wanted a research based resource for myself because I had no idea how to parent. So I went back to school, got a master's in psychology, another one in education, because I figured, you know, I, I have no idea how to parent, but I'm, I'm a really good researcher. <laughs> So I kind of used that to fill the gaps in my, you know, not knowing how to parent and um, launched the podcast and then a membership and kind of realized that uh, parents were really struggling with their children's behavior. And on the flip side of it, there's out in the world, we see like, all of these huge social challenges and that you mentioned in the introduction. And it seems as though those two things are completely unrelated, that I'm struggling with my kids behavior today. And that's all I can focus on today. And there's this other stuff in the world that seems so big and unmanageable. And how can I one person possibly actually do anything about this? Mm -hmm. And my thesis is these are not two disconnected things. These are intimately interconnected and the way that we raise our children the daily interactions we have with our children that seem like they're about discipline <laughs> actually support our children in learning about how power works in families how our culture works and so that shapes how they go out into the world and treat other people and so if we want uh, to move towards a vision of society in which everyone belongs, in which everyone feels free to be their full, true, whole self, then the work to do that begins at home in parenting. And I don't want to imply that parents are the only ones responsible for doing this, right? We need, we need support from lots and lots of people. We need lots of people doing this work. But one really important place where this stuff is transmitted is at home in our families and very often in interactions that seem like they're nothing to do with talking about race or patriarchy or capitalism. It seems like they're about discipline. Mm -hmm. I love that there is this broader picture because parenting, it's so easy to be utterly myopic about it. I mean, it, you know, you're, you're down at the minute. How do I get this child to put their shoes on? Or how do I clean up the vomit out of the rug? These very minute, discrete issues. And it can be um, depersonalizing. Sometimes you feel like this is what I'm spending my life on. So on the one hand, it's sort of exciting and encouraging to be like, hey, there's there's bigger purpose here. And on the other, it's like, so wait, and I'm solving racism and patriarchy at the same time? Whoa, hold on, Jen. So how do you help mm -hmm. parents hold this big picture in place without freaking out? Like, did you just make my job bigger and harder? Or is it easier? I don't know what to think. <laughs> well, I think the awesome part about the methods that I describe in the book are that, yes, they can help us to address these social challenges. And at the same time, they make parenting easier today. Yay, two for <laughs> so, two. So much, um, so much of the things that we struggle with, we struggle with because our children see through these attempts that we're making to shape their behavior, right? This And this is what happened to us when we were little. Our parents, whether they knew it or not, looked out into the world that is uh, governed by these forces of white supremacy, patriarchy, and capitalism and said, you know what, uh, Janet and Jennifer, you are not going to be successful in the world 
as you are right now. And I want you to be successful because I love you. And so I am going to shape you to hide parts of yourself that are not acceptable, to stuff those down in a corner, pretend they don't exist, stop acknowledging them. When you can do that successfully and you are no longer too much for me and too much for our family, I will reward you with love and acceptance and belonging. And then when you go into the world, you will be quote unquote successful. And it was those interactions that really hurt us so much that shape how we show up in our interactions with our children. Today. Janet is nodding. So I can see, I think that already you're flashing back and thinking about, oh yeah, tell us about that. I actually had read this and I'm getting chills as you're speaking it, Jen, because I was the one who was too much in my family of origin. And even now, you know, my brother and sister would say, I am too much. I'm too emotional. I'm too choleric. I'm too this. I'm too that. And in some ways, maybe not always, I I kind of bucked the trend of my family. My brother and sister are very much how you would expect a child who was born in the 50s to grow up, have a regular job or and my sister is a quote unquote housewife. That was her goal was just to be a homemaker. And look at me, you know, I've had my own business for how many years talking about these topics that, you know, mm-hmm. maybe are still some people might view as controversial. And uh, so, yeah, you're striking, you're, you're singing my song, Jen, singing my song. <laughs> it's so important that we raise our children differently. I think that my daughter started her own business in her late 20s. So I feel like, yay, that she was able to kind of buck the trend a little bit, the expectations, not in all ways, but I think that she is living her best life, her chosen life, but it's hard. It's hard to kind of go against how we were parented. Yeah. And I mean, I can I can feel the hurt that's in there, right? That I had to fight so hard just, and I wasn't accepted for who I am. Um, I I was pushing constantly. I mean, what if you didn't have to do that? What if you were just right? accepted with all of your big feelings, no matter how they come out, if it was just okay to be you, what would that be like? That would have been amazing. I will say also, as you're talking and I've had this conversation with a few friends over the last few days, actually, in that as I was bucking the trend, had a home birth, my kids went to a Waldorf school. I mean, this was not my family line, but my mom, I think if she would have been born in a different time, she enjoyed my taking the path less traveled. She really did and identified with that on a level, but she was a mom of the fifties and she had to follow that. Didn't have to, but she she did. She was hurt and constrained too, Mm -hmm. which is why she did it to you. Yeah. 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 Um, And so, you know, you, you spent your whole life fighting, pushing against this and, and your daughter (laughs) has learned that too. Mm -hmm. There are so many of us who don't learn how to do that. Right. I didn't learn how to fight. Um, I was a good girl. I did well in school. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <was like>, yep. <laughs> so yeah, and and so uh, we respond by towing the line, by not pushing back, 
And then we get to midlife and we look around, we're like, yeah, I'm successful. I have degrees. I have a good job, but why do I feel so empty? (laughs) Is this really what life is? It is Uh, helpful for me anyway. And I suspect for others listening to realize I'd never really thought about it that way. I knew my parents were parenting according to their values, which were certainly shaped by when they lived and by their parents. I knew that, but I never specifically thought about it as to succeed in a system shaped by white supremacy, capitalism, and patriarchy. And yet when you say that, I'm like, huh? Yeah. Huh? Uh Uh-huh. And that's why I got some very specific messages that absolutely fit the culture of the time and why some of those comments still rub me the wrong way, to be honest. I mean, I've said it to you before, Jen, I think I've said on the podcast before, I've been divorced from my uh, kid's dad for, I don't know, 12, 13 years now. And my mom will still occasionally say things like, you know, that I was basically too opinionated or too independent. Okay. So if you want to talk about living in the patriarchy, there we go. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And, you know, listeners, I'm going to say this because, you know, this is on boys podcast. We are very pro boys. We are very pro men and we are very pro women and very pro humans. We don't want anybody to have to, as you said, Jen, cut out parts of yourself or fit into some preconceived box. We want people to be free and not just free to be they are embraced as they are. So you say that compliance is not the goal of our parenting, yet much parenting advice is based on compliance. And I work with parents all the time as a family coach and rewards and punishments come up so often because as Jen said, how do we get our kid to put their shoes on in the morning without rewards or punishments? Most of the questions I bet you get from your clients are very much, how do I get my son to fill in the blank? It can be anything. How do I get my son to? Yes. How do I motivate him? How do I get him to be motivated? Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is all variations on the same question, right? Which Mm -hmm. is basically, how do I get them to do what I want them to do? Which is Mm -hmm. really about compliance sometimes in slightly different words that's basically what your parents wanted you to do as well Mm -hmm. which is do what you were told don't be too loud don't be too opinionated do what you're told so that's what I mean when I say unless we make a conscious decision to do something differently we're going to end up repeating the patterns Mm -hmm. that we were raised with because it how could there be another way (laughs) when a lot of people around us, our friends, our neighbors, the people at school, you know, everybody around us is parenting in, in a very similar way. How could there be another way? And so what I'm working towards is, I mean, I think there's a a phrase that's really common in the respectful parenting world at the moment, which is that all behavior is communication, which is really helpful, But it sort of kind of leaves you hanging because it's like all behavior is communication of what? Okay, sure. Message received, maybe. And now (laughs) what do I do with the message? Yes. Um, And so what I coach parents towards in the book is that this behavior that seems so mystifying, so overwhelming, so like, I don't know what to do with this, is communication of an unmet need. And when you can understand what that need is, you can support your child in meeting that need and then 
you can either find a way that does it in a way that meets your need as well, uh, or just the process of them having their need met means that you end up getting your need met as well. And so an example of this that I love is a parent that I worked with who was having the, you know, get dressed in the morning before school fight every single day. Get dressed. No. Parent says, why don't you want to get dressed? And the child says, I like knowing that you were the last person to touch my clothes in the morning. And the parent melts. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Who could ever have known that that was the reason, right? But there was a reason that the child didn't know how to articulate. And when we did that little bit of digging, of course, the parent is willing to meet that need for connection and give the clothes a hug. The child puts the clothes on willingly. There's no more fright anymore. The parent's need for ease and calm and collaboration in the morning is met. The child's need for connection is met. And we get out the door. And bravo to that child for even being able to articulate that. Absolutely. And it is that reminder that when we slow down, when we, you know, take that deep breath before we flip out, because here we are in the same battle again, and we get curious. And we've talked about that a lot on this podcast. We have to get curious. And I mean, I think all kids are creative, but I think boys are especially creative about how they're interacting with the world. And when we stop to ask, we might be really surprised. It's a good example, too, that the stories that we tell ourselves without even realizing we're telling ourselves stories are usually way off the mark because the stories we tell ourselves are grounded in often how we grow up, what we're getting from other people. So a story that I used to default to a lot and a lot of parents do, I think, in that circumstances, it's disrespect. They're not listening to me. They don't respect me. It's disobedience. And it relates to, yes, how I was raised and all those messages. You know, when you've been an adult for decades, which you usually are by the time you have children, you don't think like kids think anymore. The thought that he wanted me to be the last person to touch his clothes would not have entered my mind. So the stories that are just popping into your head aren't necessarily accurate. Wow. What stories are you telling yourself that might not be true? More with Jen after these messages from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. By Heart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And By Heart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on By Heart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. By Heart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider By Heart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet. 
But a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin. And I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve. And I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. And you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no. And they taste good. And they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y dot easymelts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash onboys. I mean, that's a, such a critical point <laughs> that we all do this, right? We all make up these stories. And I personally tend to find that one way of getting out of the story is when, when you know, my mind is starting off in the story. I can say to myself, what if that wasn't true? Mm-hmm. What if there's one other potential explanation for what's happening here? And just that question cracks open the possibility that this story that I'm telling myself is not the one and only story that also explains my child's experience as well as my experience. And that there is another reason why this is happening. And then, as Janet mentioned, we can get curious what's really happening here. And when we're curious, we're sort of out of that me versus you mindset, which we get into so easily because that's the mindset our parents are in with us. And now we're into, we're on the same team here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How can we find a way that meets your needs and meets my needs at the same time? I think let's talk about that because I, I think that that's a maybe a new concept for our listeners, especially that idea of I, as the parent, can have my needs met. What? I thought it was all about give, 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 give to my kids, to my family. I get to have my needs met too. And where did you learn that, Janet? Oh, let's see. (laughs) Mom and dad. Hmm. Uh (laughs) Yes. And the whole system. I mean, we're, yep. I'll say patriarchy one more time. Moms don't have needs. Moms meet everybody else's needs. Duh. Like yep. it's, it's so in the water around us that nobody even has to tell it to you, but it's everywhere. It's in the water that we're swimming in. Yes, it really is. And I mean, you're, that reminds me of the old joke where there's two fishes swimming along and a fish coming the other way and the two fishes are, you know, just chit-chatting and the other fish coming the other way. It's like, hey, how's the water? And then the one fish looks at the other and is like, what's water? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You're in it. And so you can't see it. And so, yes, all of the cultural messages around us say, if you are a parent, and particularly if you are a female identifying parent, you do not have needs. They do not exist. And so I work with parents who, you know, show up uh, in starting to work with me and they're like, I don't even know that I have needs, never mind what what some of them are. 
Mm-hmm. And so, I, and that's, I think, a fundamental idea here in this approach is this is not just about meeting your child's needs. This is about seeing you, the parent, the caregiver, as a person who has needs, seeing your child as a person who has needs, and that we can hold those with equal care and weight and love and attention, and that we can probably 90% of the time find ways to meet both of those needs. And that to me demonstrates true respect. And that's not the respect that we grew up with, where it's like, you will respect me because I'm bigger than you are. (laughs) That is genuine respect. And I believe that when we raise children who, you know, by the time they leave our houses have a lot of years of practice of being in these generally genuinely respectful relationships, and they will treat other people in that way too, right? And white supremacy is basically about power and lack of respect for black and indigenous people of color. Patriarchy is basically about lack of respect for less respect for anyone who is not a you know white male sitting at the top of the heap. Uh, capitalism is about my my wishes, wants, and desires are more important than yours. <laughs> and so I you know I don't care what it takes you to get that cobalt out of the ground to make my iPhone. Um, if I truly respect you, then I don't believe that these harmful systems that have hurt us so much can exist in the same way that they exist right now. I want to come back to some of the more granular components of this. But as soon as you were saying that, and Janet, you asked the question, yes, because if if we're raising our children in such a way that we also have needs and our needs also matter from the time they are little. They are learning because it's in the water. It's in the air. They are learning this magical uh, concept. Other people than me have needs, which sounds so basic. And yet it's a difficult thing. I mean, it is something that we all have to learn in life. And listeners fully aware that none of this is as simple in practice as it sounds in a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. So my boys, Jen, my boys are now um, 17, 20, 22, and 25. And especially now that they are older and past their teen years, they are getting much better at recognizing, like, I have needs too. And, mm-hmm. th- but they knew it all along. It's just the way they can express it as adults is different. So my boys knowing that I have needs did not always mean that they like, did what I said the first time they asked them or that they never got a specific tone in their voice. And frankly, I got tone in my voice too, talking to them on more than one occasion, but they do recognize this general concept because I'm not perfect. They will jump on the here and tell you in any second, but I did try to recognize and help them meet their needs. And when they see that they're much more willing to have it be a reciprocal relationship. And in that, Jen, is that you are showing them when they're young that you have needs. So I'm thinking of a client right now who is mom of four boys. They're much younger than yours, Jen. And she's the only female in the household. And guess what? When they're done that. She has created this whole, uh, we were talking about laundry. I mean, talk about granular, right? And for her, she's created this way of being around the laundry because when she's folding laundry, she goes upstairs and she's watching her girl shows and that's her time. Uh I'm trying to like pull that apart and the boys can watch their show while they're folding their own laundry. But there's a sense from the husband that 
if you're just watching your girl show, you're not doing anything. And she feels that too. Like I'm not doing anything if I'm just listeners. I just want you to know that Jen, our guest, has the look on on her face that you might expect right now. She's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talk about it being in the water and in the yeah. air. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, there's that judgment from the top of the family, right? The person in charge in the family who gets to judge everybody else's behavior. And this is not to let, uh, you know, moms off the hook because we do this too. We uh, perpetuate and enforce patriarchy upon our children. We're, we're in a way, we're kind of the middleman, right? Middle person uh, who who takes the orders from the top and passes them on down a lot of the time. Um, and that's why we see very often where there's a lot of sort of force, either physical or emotional force, that that flows down the family. And so, you know, it will come from from the father to the mother, from the mother to the oldest child, down the family, and then the youngest kid hits the dog. Janet, you said laundry, and I jumped to my own recent story. We, we're recording this just after the 4th of July. We had a big family gathering. My mom, who's in her mid-80s, was here. She said to me, how many how many of your kids live at the house now? fair question given the ages of my kids I'm like well I mean it depends what day you know (laughs) they're in they're out they're back they're forth one spends time with his dad yet her question she wanted to know how many loads of laundry I have to do I'm like mom they'll do their own laundry like this has not been an issue of mine for a very long time frankly sometimes I will throw their stuff in the dryer because they're leaving and they ask me to and sometimes they do it for me but but that expectation these expectations laundry's women's work you should be doing it (laughs) yes and i bet everybody listening has a laundry story running through your head right now and this is ridiculous we have better things to do with our time than obsess over everybody's laundry so how does this fit into parenting jen let's break this down a little bit you're doing an awesome job of keep bringing us back to the granular level and and where i would uh sort of ask parents to start focusing is where you're seeing resistance from your child, even from your toddler, if you're seeing no, if you're seeing like what in our culture we call tantrums, <laughs> if you're from your preschooler, from your um, your elementary school age child, you're seeing a lot of backtalk, a lot of sass, a lot of you know disrespect in heavy air quotes. Let's do a common and, one. We have yeah. our, most of our listeners have boys. Very very common point of resistance. I'm not going to do my homework. I don't want to do my homework. Sometimes it's even, I don't want to go to school. Resistance. School is inherently challenging to navigate because it's kind of a system that we've chosen to be within that enforces all those things. Capitalist norms. (laughs) My mouth is dropping open because of course it is. And that explains so much. And no wonder. I want to point out too that this whole, I mean, bringing up school in your book, you talk about capitalism and how we're reinforcing capitalism because we are, I would say, if you are a kind of middle-class parent, you are looking at how do I get my, my kid more resources? How do I get my school funded? How do I get my child's teacher or my child's class to have that extra field trip? And we're not looking at the wider picture of education. We're in that system, whether we like it or not. But, oh, if we can get our kid in that school, in that school district, because they have better test scores and 
quote unquote better schools, then our child, as you said, will grow up and be successful because they've had this better education. And Mm -hmm. that is so unequal in the larger society because we've been given this message like we've got to get our child resourced in the sports, in the extra activities along with that. And I've had parents say this to me. I know that there's other kids who don't have those things, but I got to get my kid to have those things. I just wanted to give a shout out. We had a conversation um, a while ago. Uh, Sarah Jaffe wrote Wanting What's Best. Yes. And we interviewed her. Parenting Privilege and Building a Just World. So I'll drop that link. That's another one for our listeners to go to. Let's not fully take on the whole macro educational system. Although I really want, I've wanted to and did in my own ways for many years. But let's just on a small at home level, let's say like most families, I'm not in a position to fully opt out of school because Mm -hmm. most basic I need it for childcare purposes because I have to work and my kid is fighting about homework. Then as we are starting to expect, it's been this conversation, we're looking for the need that's underneath their resistance. And my hypothesis would be, given what I know about schools and about you know, children's behavior, is that they are probably resisting homework because they have a need for autonomy. They want to be the one that makes important decisions about their lives. And that having somebody else say, you must do this in this way, by this date, you know, all, all the rest of it, uh, detracts from their ability to meet their need for autonomy. And that's not to say that that's the case for every single child. There will be other children who are exhausted. They have a need for rest at the end of the day. That's They can't mm-hmm. do any more at the end of the day. Um, there, there are possibilities for other needs, but I would say autonomy is a very, very important mm-hmm. one. Um, and so if parents are kind of listening to this thinking, how am I supposed to know what my child's need is? I, I put a quiz together for you mm-hmm. to help you understand some of the most important needs. So if you go to yourparentingmojo.com forward slash quiz, there is a quiz there where you can answer some basic questions. And then we will share with you what is likely your child's most important needs based on your observations about the behavior you're seeing, as well as some of the most other the other most important needs that uh, that I often see children trying to meet. So if mm-hmm. it's like if it's not the first one, then it's probably one of these other four or five. And then we can kind of use that. And in the book, I refer to this as a needs cupcake. Right. So at the top, we've got the cherry, which is the, the three to five things we see over and over and over again. For some children, autonomy is the thing. They want to make the decisions for other children who maybe have sensory issues making sure your seams are in the right place on your feet in the socks is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And so we're always looking for like the three to five most important things is my cherry. Okay. I've looked at the cherry needs this, I'm seeing this resistance. It doesn't seem to be about any of those things. Let's look at the frosting, the next three to five most important needs. And those are, you know, again, unique to each child, but the kinds of things we're seeing coming up over and over again. And only then do we consider the broad spectrum of, you know, sort of 30 to 50 other potential needs after we've already looked through the few that we see coming up over and over again. And then this whole process gets a lot less intimidating because we just know the kinds of things our children need all the time. (laughs) And it becomes a much easier prospect to think, okay, yes, it's about this. And I can see why this resistance is happening. I think we can work together to find a way that meets both of our needs. And so we start that process of, of, uh, of, of making that happen. 
a good way to understand and conceptualize. We know all of our children are different. Listeners, as you heard her saying that, you probably thought of one kid and their need is X and another kid, maybe it's more for uh, connection or physical affection. And somebody else is like, no, that is not it. It is all about autonomy. And so, yes, the way you solve problems, and I put air quotes around that, the way you would address issues is different. The issue on the surface may look the same, but what works for one relationship between two people is going to be different than what works with somebody else, which is why doing what your neighbor tells you to do and what helped in her family is not necessarily going to help in your family. Or some random person in a Facebook group. (laughs) Right? Person on TikTok. Yeah. I mean, you're essentially throwing spaghetti at a wall, right? When you're, when you're doing that, because Mm -hmm. maybe the person giving that advice randomly happened on a solution, a strategy that meets their need and their child's need. And they're like, this is the way to do it. (laughs) When actually you're a different person, your child is a different person. And so that amazing solution is almost certainly not going to work unless you magically have the same needs that they have. So when we get to this level of needs, this behavior that seems incomprehensible, right? That it seems like it's completely unrelated to anything. It's hitting, it's biting, it's, um, you know, backtalk and sass and resistance and all of this stuff that we're like, you know, I just don't understand. I need to get my child to stop hitting is the problem. That is not the problem. The problem is underneath that hitting, your child is trying to express a need that they have that isn't being met. When you can meet that need, the hitting goes away. We don't need to teach the child not to hit. The the child knows that already. You've told them 300 times already. This is not a lesson they need to learn. When their need is met, they will not hit. Meeting needs, so important. Stay tuned for more after these messages from our sponsors. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits. And I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash on boys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet, but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin. And 
I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve and I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. Yeah, and you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good and they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melts Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y dot Easy Melts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash onboys. I'm thinking of a client right now who has two boys who are hitting her. So mm-hmm. this is this is really valuable information. And along with that, I mean, as the parents, do we get a cupcake too? You most certainly do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. Yes, you are trying to meet probably a small set of needs over and over again as well. And so just as we're looking for our child's resistance, as an indicator that something isn't right, we can look inside ourselves. And when we notice frustration, anger, resentment, those are three super important signs. Ding, ding, ding. I have an unmet need. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know what that need is yet, but I can take a moment right now, or let me just get through this moment. And I'm going to take a moment in an hour and I'm going to say, what is happening here? Why am I feeling frustrated, angry, resentful? What need do I have that is not being met? Is it for ease? I just want this to be easier. Is it that I want nourishment, right? I want to sit down and eat my breakfast without having to get up 15 times to get something that everybody else needs. When I find my unmet need and We either find a way that meets both of our needs, or frankly, I could set a boundary and say, I am not willing to get up and get the green spoon. (laughs) You may get the green spoon if you would like the green spoon. Mm. I'm setting a boundary saying, I am not willing to do that. Then I protect my ability to meet that need. And I also teach my child what it's like to set a boundary. And this is not a rejection of you, child, because right, many of us grew up with, you know, setting boundaries is means uh, you are a terrible person. If you set a boundary, you must not set boundaries, particularly if you are female identifying. So um, so a lot of uh, women that I work with find it very hard to set boundaries. But when we set a boundary, we are not rejecting the other person. We are just saying I cannot do that thing to help you right now and to meet my need. And so I'm going to set a boundary that feels right for me. And we must raise children who can set and understand boundaries for reasons I'm sure you have talked about many times Mm -hmm. on the show. And especially boys. Let's be very real and very blunt about that. This is a conversation that has been gradually unfurling in the public sphere, increasing recognition that our boys and especially our white boys need to recognize and respect and honor other people's boundaries. That's not a message that came through particularly clearly in years past. It is not. And if they don't learn it from us, they are probably not going to learn that lesson anywhere else. So parents, moms, especially, this is empowering because this is, you are teaching your boys really, really, really important, essential life skills 
that will not only help them function in society, help them be good, decent people, will help them in relationships, romantic relationships, business relationships, friendships, and your experience of parenting them can be a little bit more pleasant because you get to be a person also. Win, win, win. And that's how this stuff is all tied up. Parenting, everyday experience at home with our children's experience going out into the world. In your book, you, and speaking of needs and that cupcake, I love that imagery. I think probably we can all identify and we have our own flavor of cupcake. Little sprinkles on the icing for me, please. But you, (laughs) one of the needs, and I think this is, you know, this is when we talk about self-care and we we talk a lot about self-care. And I think there's still guilt associated with that self-care. But in your book, you talk about the idea of rest. Say more about that. Yeah, I think, I mean, Trisha Hersey has done so much work on this uh, through her work in the NAP ministry. So I want to give a huge shout out to her. And she has a book out as well, I think, by the same name. And so, you know, rest for uh, women is sort of something that we, I mean, for everybody, but particularly for women, particularly for mothers, it's not something we're supposed to want or need or have. (laughs) That if we aren't uh, doing something, I mean, you basically said this in your example with the the mother who's watching the laundry in front of her, you know, she's folding the laundry in front of her shows, where the husband makes the the judgment, you are not doing anything (laughs) right now. Yep. Um, When actually she's doing two things. She is holding laundry and she's engaging in some self-care and frankly she has a right to sit and watch her own show without folding laundry if she wants to do that (laughs) because never mind the the stereotypical how many guys spend how many hours watching football on a Sunday and that's just one stereotypical example Mm -hmm. and I'll say that and leave it yeah and so we were conditioned by our own parents always be doing something always be multitasking never rest and of course our culture reinforces that the whole time as well and so we feel guilty when there's a moment with nothing in it and it's like oh wait well I should be doing something right now (laughs) let me go fold laundry and I'll put a show on and I'll multitask and I'll get self-care at the same time Trisha Hersey's work is is super clear about this we have a right to rest because we are human beings We don't have to prove anything to anyone. We don't have to earn rest. I actually work with a client who also loves Trisha's work and who said uh, she has found resting before doing chores to be just the most amazing practice that you're not doing the chore and then rewarding yourself with rest. You are resting first to regroup, to say, I am here and I am worthy and I am taking this time for myself. And then she can go into the chore with just this sense of openness that wasn't there before. And it's no longer a chore. It's it's just, you know, some a, a task. How many times do we engage in a chore or a task already depleted at the end of our rope, but I just need to get this done before I can. And I mean, and then you end up yelling at the dog, yelling at the kids, yelling at your spouse and still not resting. Yes. Yeah. Cause you're just trying to get that thing done and talk about going into it with resist resentment. Oh yeah, baby. And oh, do our kids feel that? Wow. I yeah. love this idea. And I challenge our listeners to take that five minutes, start with five minutes, set your timer. If you have to start with five minutes before you do the dishes, 
before you, whatever, fill in the blank, just simply sit. And we know that looking, even looking out the window at nature settles our nervous systems. Even better, go out and walk around the block or, you know, just sit on the front step and look at the yard, stare at a tree, watch a bird, five minutes and then start your busy day if that is what's looming at you but take that 5 minutes and the thing about that is it's not only good for you your kids see you you are modeling this notion that it's a human right to rest to simply be and not have to do all the time yeah and you're not doing it for that purpose right for for the purpose of being a better parent you're doing it because you have a right to rest. <laughs> and in the process of exercising that right, as uncomfortable as it probably will be at the beginning, then yes, you are modeling that for your children too. You know, you are also through through that, through having boundaries and through having needs, it's a healthier relationship, period. One of the things that I worry about a little bit, as I have young adult children right now, I think a lot of our children are growing up believing that parenting and having a family is a burden. Why would I ever want to do that to myself? And it is true that a lot of parents, when we get together, we talk about how tough it is. Some of that is solidarity. You know, it helps that if I share that with somebody else who gets it, but I worry sometimes that our children are only seeing the, the bad parts of it. Mm -hmm. And why would they ever want to have that as their future. Now, my kids are absolutely free to, to choose if they want to have a family, if they don't want to have a family. I'm not saying that, but to be able to model that it's possible to rest and have a family. It's possible to have needs and hobbies and have a family. That's a much healthier way of living than the models that were handed down to us. It really is. And while you're in it, it's joyful and rewarding and you can rest <laughs> and it that's not to say that it's never hard but that when you find something that's hard you sort of come at it from the perspective of oh yeah this is a little hard right now and we're gonna find a solution that works for both of us we just haven't identified it yet <laughs> and so the challenges that seem right now maybe like how do I get my kid to stop hitting? I have told them 500 times, it's not happening. There is no way this is ever going to be fixed. And this is such a massive negative impact on my life. Any challenge like that that we come to just seems so much smaller and more manageable because we know that most of the time there is going to be a way that we can understand why is my child doing this? Find a way that meets their needs and that also meets our needs as well. Have you reached that point in your parenting? Yes. I don't want to seem gloaty. Uh, I will say, I I should probably say at this point, I'm autistic and tone is is very difficult for me. And so um, so if, if you know, parents are hearing this and are like, oh yeah, no, 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 I'm sure she's amazing. <laughs> yes, I still have difficult moments with my child, but the vast majority of our time together is 
uh, is fun and easy and relaxing. And I can, you know, she asked me for something and I say, no, I'm not willing to do that right now because, because I'm setting a boundary or she will propose something and she'll say, you know, I'm thinking about doing this and I'm thinking your concern might be this. And I have already thought about that. And so this is my plan. I'm like, super, go do it. <laughs> Love that because you've been yeah. having these conversations yes. that she yes. can now anticipate. This yes. is how this is likely to go. Yes. She knows what my most common needs are, right? She knows that if I say no to something it's because I don't see a way to meet my need. And so because she's so accustomed to understanding what my needs are, she can build that into the thing that she's thinking about. And this is very different from sort of the, you know, read the room uh, method that we all grew up with, that I have to take care of everybody else before I take care of myself. It's very different from that because I'm doing it with her as well, right? I'm seeing where I'm likely to see resistance from her. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, if I, if I can propose it in this way and we'll adjust it in this little way, then I think that that will meet my need and your need as well. And then she's like, yeah, sure. That works for me. Well, we can do this. As you're talking, I, I feel this expansiveness because it is yeah. really about this child can yes. be their own person. Yes. This child can grow to have their own opinions, not just when they turn 18 and leave the house, they can have their own opinions and figure out how in the social fabric I can still be my own person alongside of you whether parent yes. relationship as Jen said this is a life that is more this is a life that is fuller that is you know we're seeing each human being as a creative being as a unique being that has their own thoughts and opinions and you know I how many kids would love their parents to hug their clothes before they put them on but don't know can't say so yeah this is such a powerful conversation Jen your book again is parenting beyond power how to use connection and collaboration to transform your family and the whole world Tell our listeners how they can get more of you, this deliciousness. Yeah. Um, so everything that I do flows through yourparentingmojo.com. And so there's lots of information about the book. There's videos that talk about it. There's bonuses when you order at yourparentingmojo.com forward slash book. And then, of course, uh, whether or not you buy the book, either way, there's that quiz available to help you understand what are some of the most important needs that my child is probably having. And that's at yourparentingmojo.com forward slash quiz. And those will all be in the show notes. And you're having a book tour coming up. This is like back to the old days. We get to have book tours in person. So uh, <laughs> Colorado, where else? Colorado, Vancouver, Puget Sound, basically down the I-5 corridor on the West Coast, uh, September through November of 2023. So yeah, awesome. if listeners are in that area, um, there's a way to see all those events that are happening and also reach out and bring me to speak at your community as well uh, at, on the book website as well. Jen, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, for opening up our view to our parenting and how it can change the world starting at home with those getting those shoes on. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you. Thank you for being real. Thank you for being here with me uh, in, in all of your full beauty and, and presence as well. It was really fun. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation. If you found value, please share it with a friend. 
This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of BoysAlive.com. Thanks for being here. Thanks for supporting our sponsors.